talking about the book of James. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been going through this about five weeks, learning some, some really good stuff, getting lots of emails. And uh, we started off talking about trials, which we'll get into as a, as a reminder here in just a minute. But now we're going to go into what James talks about, partiality. And as we read chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 that we're going to tackle today, it's specifically, once again, the, the letter or the, uh, this is written to the church that's scattered abroad. So it's written to Christians. It's written to churchgoers. And so we need to read it in that context today. And specifically, as this chapter is being tackled, this spirit of, of partiality or this topic of partiality is specifically being dealt with within the church. James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Uh, James, otherwise known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. Wisdom for us. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in the good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Question mark. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into the court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. Uh-oh. Okay? Now, James just took it and said it's not just partiality. It's not just a, a minor problem. It's actually... Did you catch it? Did you hear that? You following along on the screen? It's actually sin. Okay? It's a sin. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Forever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, has become accountable for it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are not uh, to be judged under the law of liberty, but uh, for judgment is without mercy to those who have shown no mercy. I love this last part. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. If you can't say anywhere, amen anywhere else, you can say it right there, right? Mercy. We are here today because of the mercies of God. Man, mercy triumphs over judgment. His love covers a multitude of sins through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that, to me, is a very exciting thing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that your word is just rich with truth, uh, rich with wisdom that we can apply to our lives today. God, I pray that as we sit here, we would hear, we would obtain, we would walk out of here challenged, we would walk out of here corrected, and we would walk out of here encouraged, knowing that we can live that the grace that comes through you, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Uh, James, uh, in chapter 1, it talked about trials, okay? And uh, he talks about these trials, and he talks about, count it all, 
joy when you find yourself in various trials. That's trials of any kind. Be joyful. Now, this is what he's saying. He's not saying be joyful because you're in a trial. He's saying the perspective I want you to have is joyful through the trial. Okay? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The end result, that you be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's about trials. Within talking about trials, James also draws the distinction between temptation and trials. Don't mistake, come on, that temptation for a trial. All right, we talked about that. that was a good message. You've got to go back and listen to that one. Because if you mistake your temptation for a trial, you're going to be messed up. Okay? Because you don't want to endure in the temptation, but you do want to endure in the trial. But if you mistake your temptation for a trial, you're going to endure in temptation, and then it's over, baby. Okay? So he talks about that. He also talks about anger a little bit. Remember we talked about that? Was that last week we talked about it? Right? He talks about anger. Okay? So he's talking about trials. Man, it's tough. It's difficult. He talks about anger. And now we jump into chapter 2, and now he's talking about, hey, don't be partial. It almost sounds like James has a chip on his shoulder. Are you with me? Trials, anger partiality. I mean, what's with this guy? Okay. Now here's something I had to ask myself because the Bible makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 12 that we are a many membered body, right? That each of us have a gift and a part we play and that God uses those gifts as they vary to build his church, to build his kingdom. And I had to ask myself this question. We understand that the Holy Spirit constrained, you know, James to write this book. But I had to ask myself this question, wasn't there other people available to write it, right? I mean, you know, couldn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, I mean, couldn't have he saved it for later and had Paul write it, right? I mean, obviously it was something that was happening at that time that needed to be addressed, but there had to be other people that could have wrote it. Could it be that the Holy Spirit used James to write it because James knew something about trials? Are you with me? He knew something about partiality. I mean, after all, James was the younger brother of Jesus. How difficult would have that been? I can see why he had some things to say about partiality. Could you imagine growing up in that house? Jesus, your older brother. Can't you just be a little bit more like Jesus, James? I mean, how would you like to hear that every day growing up, right? I mean, it's enough for you to come on Sunday and hear me preach the word and say, be more like Jesus every day. You know, I mean, you know, Jesus probably got like straight A's, right? And then there's James, right? You know, he's, he's getting C's. I mean, that, that had to be, I mean, but it's not really fair because it's not like he's James Christ, right? I mean, his brother's Jesus Christ and he's just James. It just doesn't seem, doesn't seem fair to me. How, how different, are you with that? He knew something about some trials, he knew something about some, some difficulties, probably. I mean, could you imagine heading to the family gatherings as James? Are you with me? Have you, have you thought about this before? Going to the family hangouts. I mean, think about it. There was definitely some partiality. It's not like wise men showed up to the birth of James, at least that we know of. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. It's not like they came, you know, bearing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And here's, oh, we, we did Jesus. We didn't want James to feel left out, you know? Can you imagine going to those family functions? They're like, hey, can you tell me about the birth of Jesus again? James is just like, oh. doesn't seem fair. I mean, can you imagine going to big gatherings and big parties, let's just say like the wedding in Canaan? Do you remember John chapter 2, right? Do you remember the story? 
I mean, there's a huge wedding. It's awesome. The wedding's so big that they actually run out of wine. And who do they go to? Jesus. Because it says that, that, that Jesus and his disciples and his mom were there, so James was probably there as well, but they go to Jesus, right? And Jesus turns ordinary water into wine. Can you imagine at the next wedding, but Jesus ain't there, but James is? You know they all walked over to James and said, hey, your brother ain't here. What you going to do? Yeah, see, now you're like, oh, man, he did know some things about trials, uh, some partiality. You know how little brothers follow their older brother? Okay, how many guys have, have younger siblings, okay? And they just follow you everywhere and do whatever you do. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I'm actually the youngest of four, and so that was me. And I know, I used to follow my brothers everywhere. You know that James was doing this too, probably following Jesus everywhere. I bet you James almost drowned one time. Anyway. Some of you will get that later. Like. Oh, someone's like, like 10 minutes from now, someone's going to be like, <laughs> they're going to get it. Yeah. Trials. Trials. He wrote about trials. Here he's writing about partiality. Don't, 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 don't show any partiality. Why is he writing this? Remember, he's writing to the church. The reason he's writing it is because it's taking place. In the book of Deuteronomy, around chapter 7, you actually see that it was one of the practices of the Jewish culture within the synagogues to actually give preference to those who had money. So literally, this would take place if someone walked in that looked more well-off, was dressed nice, and had more, that they would literally take the one that had less and say, hey, you need to move over so they can have this seat. This was taking place. So as James writes this, this is a revolutionary concept to them. It wasn't just like, okay, James said it, let's do it. This was something they had to wrestle with. This is something they had to change within their church culture. Listen, there's enough of this taking place out there, okay? But it needs to be addressed in here so that when people come to here, they find the true liberty and freedom that comes through Christ Jesus. James had some things to say about it. Jesus had some things to say. The Bible has some things to say about it. Look at Acts 10.34. Pretty Pretty plain and simple. Acts 10.34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. It doesn't get much more plain than that, right? How much part? None. None. What is the definition of partiality? Don't worry about putting it up there. I'll just give it to him. Partiality, it's favorable bias, prejudice, it's favoritism, okay? Don't show any of that, okay? Let's go to the next verse. Romans 2.11. For God shows no... And the verse doesn't go on to say except for in. This is no partiality. No, no, no favorable bias, no prejudice, no favoritism. Why is that? Let's look at the next verse. The reason this is Galatians 3.28... There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Now, wait a second. I remember reading my Bible, and they had slaves back then. There were free people back then. There's no male and female. Hold up. I'm here today because of a male and a female. What, what, what's, he, what, what's this saying? For you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. Christ came in and He leveled the playing field. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to me. In Christ Jesus, there is no black, there is no white, there is no Asian, there is no rich, there is no poor, there is no male, there is no female. Here, in the, in the kingdom of God, okay? In the kingdom of God, there is one kind of person. It's a child of God. And we are all children of God with different gifts, different abilities, different God-given talents that we are to use to express His image, to express His purpose. And as we come together and do that, something awesome happens. It doesn't matter what, what your economic situation is. Listen, we don't live by the natural economy. We live by a kingdom economy. And you can come in this place and you can have a lot naturally, or you can have a little naturally. But in Christ Jesus, we're all heirs. Are you with me right now? Okay. Now he levels the playing field. Okay. And this is the point that James is trying to get across. He actually addresses it, and it's not so much a corporate thing although it's happening corporately as much as it is a heart thing. Because he takes it to the heart. And he says, look, if you do this, if you draw distinctions amongst the poor and the rich, and you give favorable positions to the rich, have you not made yourselves judges with evil intent? He goes after the heart because he knew their motives. Okay? Their motives wasn't so much, hey, this person's got this gift, let's put them there, and this person's got this gift, let's put them there. As much as it was, they got money, and what can we get from this? Dresses the heart. Now listen to me, I want you to catch something today, because it's not about a rich, poor thing. You can flip this whole thing and have favorable bias for poor people. It's not about a rich and a poor. That's the specific way in which James was addressing it. Yes, sure, society still plays it out that way out there, but he's saying in the church that can't be. If you are giving someone a seat up front because of the amount they give to the church, well, are you with me? I I at this church, um, I have actually made it a standard with our governing uh, um, overseers that I do not check tithe. I do not look and see how much people give. Now, if someone gives us a lump sum and hands it to me, obviously I see those things. But I don't go in and check records. We set that up way early on. Now, we have a requirement here that as leaders, okay, we should be setting the pace and tithing. And so I have someone, hey, if they want to be a leader, can you just go make sure they're tithing? But I personally don't check that because I want to make sure my heart stays right. Are you with me? Okay? Because we don't want, but it can be flipped. It can be that. It's not about a rich or poor thing. It, it can be flipped. I remember when I first moved to the city, I was meeting with a pastor. Great, great pastor. Great church. So I wanted to meet with him. And his church, though, is predominantly homeless or street people. And so I wanted to meet with him, find out what he was doing. And, and he's doing a great job in the, in the downtown area. And and I met with him, and he's talking, he's sharing with me how hard it can be. He goes, you know, it's really hard sometimes because, you know, the homeless people, they still, a lot of them still get an income, but they get $100 a month. Whereas, you know, people in the other church, they get 1000 Well, the tithe off 100 is quite a bit less than the tithe off 1000 
And so he's talking. So, you know, it's been hard to really keep up. And so we have to raise support and, and try to do these things. And he goes, you know, because this is a real Jesus-type ministry here. I was like, I was, wait a second. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus came to seek and save the poor. It says he came to seek and save the lost. And you can be poor and lost, or you can be rich and lost, or you can be in between and lost. And when I read my Bible, he, he actually went after a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. You guys, I see you guys. You guys weren't religious like me, little, growing up in church, right? Y'all got saved within the last couple of years. I get it, okay? I remember that song. Well, if you read the story about Zacchaeus, he had some money. And Jesus said, hey, yo, I'm going to your house today because you could probably put out a good spread. Okay? And he went. So it can be reversed. Listen to me. This is not a knock against people that have money or an elevation of those that don't. Okay? This is the context in which it was playing out back then. But now listen to me. The Holy Spirit uses James to write this to the church at large back then, going through trials, to set some things in order. Because people should come in and experience the liberty and the freedom that's in Christ Jesus. They shouldn't have to be judged by what they wear, okay? That same Holy Spirit that constrained James to write that is the same Holy Spirit that preserved it all these years and makes sure it got into the Bible so that you and I would read it today. Therefore, it tells me this, that we need to examine the church, and more importantly, we need to examine our hearts, and ask ourselves, is there any partiality in the church? Is there any partiality in our hearts? Are you with me? The New Test, Proverbs of the New Testament, James, here it is, asking this question. Look, don't have any partiality. So I ask this question, does it exist in the church today? Oh, it does. But probably much different than then. Yes, yeah, sure, we still see the rich, the poor thing play out out there. And, and yes, in, in church, it still plays out from time to time, I'm sure. Okay? But how else can this spirit of partiality play out in the church? How, how can it play out when someone walks through the back door and we look and uh, we don't identify with them and so we never connect with them? Why is it that when you go to churches that you, sp- you can kind of see a culture within a church? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now listen to me. Yes, all churches have a culture that's good business structure and, and that's even good church structure reaching people. Understand that. But why is it that, you know, sometimes just specific segments are represented? Okay. So when someone walks through the door, if you don't identify with them, oh, is there partiality? Whether it be someone of a different ethnicity whether it be the way someone's dressed. Now listen, I'm not talking about these are going to be your best buds for life, BFF, okay? Actually, best buds for life be BBFF, but whatever. Okay? I'm not talking about, you know, obviously we're attracted to certain, if, you, you know, it, it, you know, if you're a male, then you're obviously attracted to a, a certain type of person of the opposite sex, and the same is true. I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about that you have to spend every waking moment with these people. What we're talking about is, is this. If we can't reach out to everyone, then we can reach no one. 
We need to be able to, to, in the church, put our bias aside no matter what they look like. Now listen, how else does it, could it play out in the way they dress? I remember I was, up, I was at a pastor's gathering not too long ago, and then this pastor's gathering, the pastor was kind of telling his story, and he's like, yeah, when I started the church, man, I looked down, and I was like, man, my church was just like full of a bunch of nerds. It's like, whoa. I'll be honest, I would never call my church that. I might think it, but I, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would never do that. But he's like, yeah, but finally, you know, we, you know, we worked real hard, and we got a little more hip, and we had a bunch of skinny jean wearing, and I'm just like, you went from geek to that? <laughs> Rewind and give me the geeks, because I think skinny jeans is weird, man. <laughs> the girls, you keep pulling it off, doing whatever. But now, now let's see, I just offended some. You know there's some guys in there wearing skinny jeans. They're like, oh. Okay. What I mean, it's subjective, right? I mean, someone out there is looking up here at me saying, who put that outfit together? <laughs> don't judge me because I have taste and you don't, all right? <laughs> Can it play out in these various ways? It does play out like that. And here is the crux of what James is saying. Knock it off. Stop it. We are one body with many different parts trying to accomplish the same goal for the same king. But if we have partiality, we will never obtain what God wants us to obtain. How else does it play out? Oh, it's easy to talk about it within the local context, but what about the church at large? Does the smaller church look at the larger church and say, oh man, they preach a watered-down gospel? Well, come on, somebody. Okay. Or do we drive by a smaller church and say, oh, man, I want their problem is they're just probably not as anointed as we are. Now, nobody in here would say that. I know it's all the other people out there. Okay. Put partiality aside because we're one body. And when you show partiality, it is weird. Because Christ leveled the playing field. There is no partiality in God. And we are to be the express image of Him. Therefore, we should look like Him. Therefore, we should demonstrate His purposes and His kingdom and His will. And in Him, there's no partiality because Christ leveled the playing field. So no matter who walks through the door, no male, no female, doesn't matter, Greek, Jew, you know, Black, white, Asian, young, old, no. <laughs> Colombian. <laughs> now we got plenty of you, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I love when I look around our church? I, I see a great mix of people. I do. I love our church. We've actually had people come to our church and make comments about that. Like, man, I just love it because it's like a snapshot of San Diego. You got, you got African-American. You got Mexican. You got, you know, and they go through and they just, man, I love it. And you got, you got people that, man, are doing really well financially and people that are kind of struggling financially. You got people in between. And they just say it's a great snapshot. And I said, yeah, I just want that snapshot to become a huge portrait. Right? There's no partiality in Christ. Therefore, there should be no partiality in the church. 
God. Should not be there. Shouldn't be there. We should be able to identify whoever walks through the door. We should be able to say they are a child of God, no matter what they look like, no matter what their background is, because we show bias uh, depending on what people have been through. Oh, single mom. All right. Yeah, we got a place for you. You can work in the babies. Yeah, that's just what a single mom wants, you know? Okay. And we'll judge people. We'll show partiality towards people because of their past. But did Christ not die for their sin as well? I mean, we can, we can look at our past and say, wow, Christ set me free. I mean, if you knew some of the stuff I did, you would not be at church right now. But Christ, through his blood on the cross. Whew. How many times do we look at somebody, hear their past, and be like, oh, man. that happened to my wife. My wife, the woman I'm married to. The church licensed me. My wife had been working in the same function as a pastor. Oh, you believe women can be pastors here? Yes, I do. Have to, we believe that. And if you don't, this is probably in the church for you. Just save you a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Why is it that we'll let women get up and function in the office of a worship leader? Well, because worship isn't actually biblical either. And whatever. Okay. Yeah, we believe women can be pastors. Here I am getting licensed, and I wanted nothing more than my wife to be right by my side getting licensed with me. But here's what they said. They said, well, you know, I know she's been functioning like that for five years, but, you know, because of her past. Where is that in the Bible? Didn't David commit adultery with Bathsheba and seven days later sat back on the throne? Wow. Does his grace have a timeline to it? It's getting quiet. No partiality. No partiality. Everybody that walks through these doors is a child of God, has the grace of God on their life, has a gift that if we embrace, we could probably reach a whole lot more people. 1 Corinthians 12, we're a many-membered body. But because somebody parts had a rougher life, it compares it to a body. Think about that. What if we showed partiality to the hands? We're like, oh, these are great hands, but then the feet, we're like, yeah. Y'all seen feet before? They got calluses on them. Oh, they stinky. Stuff gets stuck between the toes. We like to make it sound nice, toe jam. <laughs> I put jam on my toes, people. Okay. Right? I mean, feet are nasty. But hands, now they have a true purpose in life. I mean, we paint the nails, make them look purdy. Not pretty, purdy. Put rings on the fingers. Huh? Maybe even set it apart a little bit with a watch. I mean, look at that hand. Bing! Right? And then we cover up the feet. 
feet are nasty. Are you catching the picture? Man, the hands are ready. Let's go do some stuff. All right. And our reach is stifled because we don't include the feet. My reach is a little bit more than some of y'all's because I'm tall. So I, I have my influence is here. If I reach, insanity paid off. Come on, somebody. Right? But if we show partiality, oh, you're just feet. Man. If we say, wow, you're feet, I need you. Because there's something over there that needs to get done, but I can't do it unless you walk me there. There's some people over there we need to reach, but, but I can't get there. I need you to help us get there. There's some people over here we need to influence and we need to, we need to do this thing and we need to do that thing, but because we're, we're, we're showing partiality and we're elevating certain gifts in the body and ignoring other gifts, then we're, we're stifled. But if we bring all the gifts together and say, wow, you're a child of God, the grace of God is on your life, look what you can do and look what you can do, man, let's, let's do it together. Then we can impact, come on, the city of San Diego for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But if partiality exists, then we're, we're stuck. The great part is this, if you learn to function as a body with no partiality, if the foot gets hurt, the hands know they have to help out and they get crutches and they help until the foot is restored. Yeah, as you might have some baggage, that's okay. What we need to do is we need to step in and get you whole. Yeah, you might have blown it last summer, that's okay. We, we can help out. What if all the feet are, are crippled? It's okay. We still need you. And we'll, we'll, the hands, they'll, they'll push the wheelchair until, until you're recovered. Because we understand that we're one body. There's no partiality in Christ Jesus. Because we're after the same purpose, to glorify him and reach others for Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is amazing. Lord, I thank you for the book of James and how it's been challenging us. I thank you for the book of James and how it's been correcting us in, in many areas. Lord, I thank you for the, the, the emails and the text messages I've been getting as we've been going through this book and saying how they've been challenged. Lord, I thank you for the reports that we're getting back from the Bible study leaders and how they've been talking about it and different things have been coming up. And Lord, I thank you for addressing things uh, in the whole body as well as right here at Urban. God, I thank you as we make the, the little adjustments in these areas that we're going to be more powerful, more impactful, that our reach is going to extend as we embrace no matter of ethnicity, no matter of economical status, no matter of the way they dress or the past they've come out of. God, I thank you. Lord, as we embrace the body and we help get each other whole, there is great impact for your kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here today.